You're listening to a sermon from Oak Hill Fellowship Church, located in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. You can learn more about us by visiting oakhillfellowship.com or finding us on social media. Now grab a Bible, a notebook, and get ready to be spiritually enriched by the Word of God. It is really good to be here, and that's not one of those generic um, you know, opening lines from a guest speaker. It's been uh, fun uh, being able to track um, Pastor Nate Knowles in my small group you know, probably 11 years ago um, with that during his year there and seen Ben lead worship many times and Keith and I have had enough breakfast to talk about the retreat over the years. My first year on staff, uh, Oak Hill was with us in our retreat and I had Keith almost sort of um, kind of give me like the you don't want to do that, you'll get sued um, <laughs> kind of thing. So I've been very, very thankful and Bruce, you know, we've seen many, many years, um, you know, from Lancaster and then obviously come in. Uh, to Quarryville. So uh, glad to be here. My name is Jared. Um, for those that uh, have not gotten to meet, I have some familiar faces and some brand new ones, of course. And uh, just glad to uh, be uh, in this place specifically. We've heard about the move. We prayed for you guys as you moved into this place. I must say, I, I miss the days of playing gaga ball in the kitchen, uh, setting up some tables. So been able to pull that one off, and, uh, but uh, it is nice to see that the Lord is moving and giving opportunities, I know, especially uh, with the kids and the young families here, that always does my heart good. Um, so in, in Lancaster, I don't just oversee our teenagers, I oversee our, our kids' ministry as well, and uh, so when I see kids uh, having more space and more families coming, it does my heart good, so that's always uh, good to see. Um, I have been on staff, um, what was New Song when I came on staff, now Harvest Lancaster, um, eight years uh, going on that, so um, after a, a drastic a change in my career path, which I'll talk about a little bit uh, coming up here, uh, but it wasn't as easy as we just uh, changed careers, but I'm glad to be here and um, you know, excited to be able to open God's Word with you today. We're going to be in Acts 16 today, a passage that has really been a heavy on my heart, not in a, not in a sad way or a heavy in a depressing way, but just just really present um, there. And uh, some of this, uh, as you'll see, um, is just because of the, the line of work that I do. Um, but as we'll see in Acts 16, we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit directs through um, His gospel, through relationships, through situations that we have, and then getting to sit back and see Him progress the gospel. Um, there are many things in our life that we don't understand what the Lord is doing, but the Holy Spirit is at work and uh, we're going to see a, a narrative here where that uh, takes place and hopefully uh, come out the other side of it encouraged uh, with that. I know the theme uh, being a living hope. Uh, maybe that's a spot where you're saying, like, I'm at a kind of a hopeless spot. There's relationships in my life that I just don't even know why the Lord has them there. Maybe there's a crossroad that you're at with a situation in life and you just are unsure of where to go. And, uh, and what you'll see is that the Holy Spirit is in those things. And, uh, and, and so, uh, even today, as you think, uh, maybe losing hope there, that the Lord is in that, and He hasn't forgotten you. Um, but, uh, just taking a little survey here, uh, I'm assuming this is around 50% of the room uh, when I do this. How many of you are planners in your life? You know, you look ahead at the calendar, and, uh, okay, right, so like in our relationship, uh, my wife's doing a shaky hand, um, <clears throat> It's, it's definitely like uh, we'll look at the calendar for the week and I'll say, um, okay, so here's what we got, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm looking like, you know, Saturday, Sunday, and she'll go, whoa, whoa, whoa 48 hours is plenty, you know? Like, 
let me just make it through this, you know. Um, the Lord knows that we need both with that. But I'm, I'm a planner, and I like to look ahead. I like to be proactive with things. And, um, and it makes me think back that the Lord has taught me through situations that I can't always be a planner. So, a uh, question for you. Uh, where were you October 30th, 1998? Uh, there's a couple in here that's like, I wasn't even born yet. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, for me, it was, um, it was a rainy night at LS. I was a senior in high school. And uh, I have this girl next to me that I have been, you know, eyeing up and, you know, a little bit flirty with. And we had an opportunity to be at a football game together. But it was raining so much. And, you know, in football, they'll play through a lot of the rain. And uh, we're huddled under an umbrella. Strategically, I happen to bring just one umbrella with me. <laughs> and we're sitting close. And, I can, and I'm, I'm enjoying this, you know. And I look over and notice that she is not enjoying this so much, that... Uh, she's not that into football and uh, not that, uh, not that enjoy, uh, enjoying to get wet as much as I think it's worth it. So I think, oh no, the plans have changed. The plans have got to change because this is going downhill real fast. Well, that led to us going out for uh, hot chocolate afterwards. And um, what came of that was just a, a budding new relationship. And, and from there, you can show the picture. Uh, that was uh, my wife, Jen, and I. That was uh, our first few months. I'm going to pay for that one, I think. But uh, so we're we're young teenagers. There, 15 and a half years of marriage later, we're still together, and uh, that was the budding relationship that I uh, had saw. That I thought I had a strategic first date plan that got changed. Ended up being a wonderful time. Have been together since, and uh, so you could take that down now because uh, you know it's distracting me thinking of my bride back in those days. Uh, but uh, you know. We actually were, uh, you know what we were doing there? I just, I just thought about that. I can, this will make sense. We were, we had to do a wedding reception at the Hoffman Building. So there you go. So we were heading down to Quarryville there. So, um, but uh, we're going to be looking at Acts 16 today. And uh, we're going to be looking at one of the most strategic guys in church history, a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, and how he allowed the Holy Spirit uh, to guide and direct the relationships he has, to guide and direct the path that he's on, and uh, what we're going to see here today is, uh, is just how the Holy Spirit can move us. And uh, maybe this is something you don't think about a lot. Maybe this is something that is prevalent in your mind. But I want us to be able to recognize the power that He has and to be able to let go of those things so that He can direct us. Give you some context of what's happening here. Uh, so Paul has already been out on a missionary journey. Um, he's uh, faced persecution uh, one in particular place that he went to, or a couple places that he was going to in his first journey, Lystra and Iconium, that will come into play a little bit later. Uh, but he's already been to those places, preached the gospel, uh, had persecution there. He heads back to Jerusalem in Acts 15, where they have these issues that they're dealing with. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just to give you some context, because there is some uh, foreshadowing that plays here. And uh, there's, this, uh, there's this idea there is saying, well, okay, so... Paul's encountering all these people who did not grow up Jewish. And the big part to prove that you were Jewish was circumcision. And they come together to debate whether this is necessary for those that never grew up in the Jewish faith to have circumcision, then to become believers, Christians. And what the council decided was no need for that, that, uh, that there is no need for circumcision to uh, be a follower of Christ. At the end of that, 
uh, as, as they're going to go out and basically spread that message so there's no confusion in the church, uh, these new churches that are, are being planted, um, that uh, there's a, what they call a sharp disagreement between uh, Paul and Barnabas over a guy named John Mark. And uh, Paul thinks that John Mark is not uh, ready to go on the next journey, and Barnabas says he is. A little foreshadow because you're going to see the relationship split, and um, what you would think is a potentially drama would ensue um, ends up coming back around if you uh, continue to read through the New Testament, see 2 Timothy 4, that um, Paul actually asks for John Mark to come to him and says that he's useful for him. So if you think you read the end of Acts 15 and says, wow, what's wrong with Paul, you know, like, I'm going to give the guy a chance. Uh, at one point later on, years later, he does ask for John Mark and refers to him as useful. And I only say that because you're going to see the relationships that Paul um, has uh, coming up. And so at the beginning of Acts 16, Paul heads out on another missionary journey, uh, hitting some of the same places that he had with his uh, companion Silas. And so I'm going to start reading, uh, pause a couple times uh, through this, uh, but we're going to make it through the chapter uh, with this, and I'm totally aware of the time, so don't worry with that. Um, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. A disciple there was named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on uh, their way uh, through the cities, um, as they delivered to them the observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. See Acts 15 on that. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Now first of all, I want to pause there because when the Holy Spirit directs, uh, what we're going to see is that He directs the partnerships that we make, the, the relationships that He puts in our life. But the partnerships that we make, the Holy Spirit puts them in our lives. Our Christian faith wasn't meant to be a solo sport meant to be a team sport. We see in Galatians how it talks about bearing one another's burdens. You're not to bear the burdens alone, whether it's in your individual life or through your ministry life. He talks about through Ephesians 4 just the unity and how the unity of, a, of believers is attractive to the world. It's not just one solo person doing their Christian life by themselves. God uses people in our lives, as you well know, to sanctify us. He puts them to sharpen us, to grow us. I'm sure you've had co-workers or parents or a spouse, don't nudge them, children, maybe neighbors, people in our lives that God has put there to help sharpen us. And uh, sometimes we don't always think of them as the Holy Spirit bringing them into our lives, but as you'll see here, that he has drawn uh, Timothy into Paul's life. Paul goes to Lystra. The first time that he was in Lystra, if you would read Acts 14, that's when he was there uh, before. Ended up getting stoned. That speaks a lot to Paul, willing to go back again after the persecution he faced. And he shows up and he finds Timothy. Um, Mom is a believer, a Jewish background. Uh, I love it how it describes it in 2 Timothy 1, uh, how it says it's, it describes Timothy's mom. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you. A faith that not just is there, but dwells, you can imagine that, much deeper um, in, in Paul. 
His dad a Greek. We don't know much about him, just what's stated there. Uh, we do know that in, in customs, generally the Jewish custom, uh, the, they took on the mom's faith. But here, with a mixed culture, uh, with dad being Greek, that, that, must have been the, uh, that must have been the dominant religion there. Um, the Jewish custom must have been weaker than the Greek custom. And as they arrived, there was no synagogue, synagogue for Paul to go to. Paul's pattern was to go and to go into the synagogues first, people who were familiar uh, with the scriptures. If you see in Acts 14, the first time he shows up, they call Paul and Barnabas, they, they call him Zeus and Hermes. So they uh, had the Greek uh, filter there. We know that they had elders, as, as you read that powerful passage in Acts 14 that we talk about in church planting, that, that he had left their appointed elders, and so there was a church there with elders, and that uh, Paul felt secure enough that he could move on and allow the elders uh, to run the church. And uh, what else do we know about Paul? We see that he was a good partner uh, that was uh, brought into his life. Young one, but good it, it talks about uh, just how, uh, how competent he is. That he, he was young and yet he was well thought of. In 2 Timothy 3.15 it says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Even from childhood he was familiar with that. They had a good kids ministry at the church in, in Lystra. Uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. He knew Paul uh, probably when he came through the first time, saw this guy get stoned and said, this guy's either crazy or he's serious about this faith. Uh, we know that the elders believed in laying on hands of people. In 1 Timothy 4.14 it says, um, Do not neglect the gift you have, which is given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Paul says to Timothy, they laid hands on you. That you are a competent leader. This is in a culture where there probably wasn't too many Jewish role models. I share this with our students uh, so many times. If they're in a household that doesn't have strong believers or in a community that doesn't have strong believers, that says God can still work with some of those just maybe relationships that come in and out of your life to take advantage of them. He, wasn't, he didn't grow up in an easy culture. We also see his character in Acts 16 too. It says there, he was well spoken of by brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Multiple towns uh, were speaking well of him. They thought highly of him. We know that in 1 Timothy 3, it's the characteristics of elders. That this is a guy that, the, that Paul sees that met the qualifications of an elder. And, uh, and so he has the character there that the, that the Holy Spirit was able to show Paul. There was also a commitment that he had. Acts 16.3, you want to talk about commitment. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, you can imagine that um, this wasn't something, because the chapter before, Paul was just a staunch believer, saying we don't need to circumcise people to prove that they are, uh, that they are one of us. And then he goes and circumcises him in the next chapter. Um, but he does say there, why does he do that? Because Timothy was committed to the call. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him uh, to, and took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they knew that his father was a Greek. I think of that 1 Corinthians 9, 20, 23 passage. 
When it says, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in the blessings. You know, it's worth some sacrifice uh, to be able to win those that Christ puts in our life. Um, Here, Paul puts a guy, Timothy, the Holy Spirit is brought together with him. A guy that he probably um, knows reputation, but you say, man, how am I going to take a guy like this and have a partnership with him? How am I going to trust him uh, to ministry Uh, How am I going to uh, build relationship with him? He allows the Holy Spirit uh, to take over. Um, I don't know about the people that God has brought into your life, and sometimes you don't always see it. I I think about a guy uh, who's in my life, a guy named Chris Thomas. And if you've been around Lancaster long enough, he's one of the the founders in, uh, uh, one of the founding families in uh, Lancaster when it became New Song. And now Chris I knew from my middle school years, long before that picture was taken, and uh, it was the middle school years when my parents didn't know anything and I knew everything. Um, and, uh, and, you know, had some conversations. And he was one of the first guys uh, to really point me in a direction of, of really not answering my questions, but saying, I see here that you're to honor your parents. And how do you do that in, you know, with your life? And just something that resonated with me. And, you know, so Chris was in my life for a year and then, and then he wasn't around um, as we went different paths. Uh, with that, he was a college guy that was a, a youth leader at that point. And then, um, many years later, when we showed up at the church, Chris was the one that that invited me to small group. Um, it was the first small group that I was part of, and he has a mild mannered way of just saying, "Okay, we have it this week." And after many promptings, um, that uh, that we ended up going. And so he it, he really enveloped me into the first adult small group that that my wife and I had at a at a young married age. Now I I'm just so thankful when. Uh, when I had the opportunity to be uh, overseeing our student ministry, Chris is now one of our uh, youth leaders that's overseeing sixth graders. And, uh, you know, when I talked to Chris, you know, saying like, hey, you know, I, I'd love for you to be able to, um, you know, just equip our sixth graders, our sixth grade boys, you know, and you're thinking, sixth grade boys, who would want to do that? You know, Chris basically said, but I don't know the music that they listen to. I don't know the video games they play. I don't know, you know, these things. And, and I said, uh, what you did in my life, I just, you know, that's what, that's what I needed. You know, the Holy Spirit had you showing up in, in certain parts of my life that kept me on a path of growth. And I can't promise it's going to happen exactly like my story, but the Lord brings these partners into our life. Are you fighting any of these relationships that the Lord has brought into your life? You know, saying, Lord, why would you bring that person? That person is so draining to me. Or that person just doesn't, uh, um, they clash with my personality. And it may just be for a season, uh, but the Holy Spirit can do those things. He's involved in the partnerships that we make. And so he says, uh, he takes uh, Timothy and his team, uh, as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders. And so the churches, was, did it work? This, as much as the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. What we see here is that's not the only way that the Holy Spirit directs, not just in our relationships, but He directs in the paths that we take as well. 
the Holy Spirit just doesn't direct the, the who, but the where as well. This one can be a struggle for us, especially if you like a lot of control in your life or like to know how things are going to go. Uh, but what we're going to see is he takes his new partnership on a roll. The churches are being strengthened in the faith. They're increasing in numbers. And then we read this section. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I'm going to pause there, because what you're seeing is that Paul is on a roll. Uh, he's, he's got a new ministry partner. And uh, go ahead, show the map up there. Just so go, I was a former history teacher, geography teacher, so like, this is like my comfort zone right now. Um, but what you'll see here is that Paul has already picked up uh, Timothy at Lystra. They're going through the cities. And he wants to go north into Asia. He, there's a whole lot of land really close to there. And the Holy Spirit, it says, uh, forbid him to speak there. Forbid him to go there. I don't know about you, you get a little momentum going, some positive things are happening. Uh, you know, in Paul's world, the, the church is being strengthened, they're growing. And all of a sudden, you think like, alright Lord, you know, I, I got this. Uh, I can take care of it for now, you gave me some like, good steps, I'll call you when I need some next direction or next steps. But now Paul, he's staying in that, saying like, okay Lord, clearly we're hitting up cities along the way. There's lots of cities that don't have the gospel. There's most of the continent of Asia, uh, what we would think is um, really just kind of a section of Asia that, they, that you know, we called Asia Minor for many years was modern day Turkey. And he's saying, why wouldn't I just go there? Do you get the momentum going and it, you know, you're comfortable? It's going to take maybe a supernatural act to change your path. Paul is led to travel northward and not along a common trade route. And the Holy Spirit here, I refer to the Holy Spirit also as the Spirit of Jesus, uh, forbids him to speak. God in his sovereignty knows where to place us. He knows the whole timeline. Uh, Paul went where God wanted him to go. He allowed him uh, to go. And he says, you're not going to speak. And this is not like a side note where you can kind of throw this out as an example saying like, you know, I was going to go witness to my uh, co-worker, but the Holy Spirit's forbidding me to speak, right? Like, so this isn't like, because we know that Paul wasn't afraid to speak. I mean, the guy was willing to get a stoning for this, uh, so it's not an excuse that he was doing here. But uh, he allowed the Holy Spirit to forbid him to speak, forbid him to go in a certain direction, and he listened to that. And what we sometimes don't understand is when the Lord doesn't open a door, that other doors open. And this is a game changer, especially in Christian history, as you're going to see uh, later on, why that was a significant part of, of what the Holy Spirit was doing that he probably had no idea at the time. Obedience to the Holy Spirit, um, what he has for us is what he's teaching us through this. Um, I can remember my path as... Uh, as had been introduced, I was a teacher for eight years. I, that was my plan. Um, I had got my principal certification. I thought, this is what the Lord has for me. 
and as um, an opportunity opened up and said, hey, would you ever be interested in overseeing our student ministry? I basically said, no, I'm good. I have a different plan for my life. Then was presented to me, as if you know Jim Strabell from Lancaster. He's very persuasive. Uh, he says, uh, well, would you at least pray about it? And a man that I deeply respect said, well, you know what? I, for you, I will pray about it. Um, the Lord made it very clear that he was opening another path for my family. I don't... I know that a year earlier, we wouldn't have been ready, just things lined up in that last year, that it wouldn't have been a good fit if something would have been there. I didn't understand at the time. And the Lord really just changed our heart. It messed up the plans that I had had for my life, for our life. And when you obey the Lord, He opens up other paths for you. And so are you fighting this path that the Lord has for you? It says, and Paul continues on the Troas, it's a port city, and, and he waits there. We don't know how long he's waiting, but there's a time that he's there. And it says, a vision appeared to him at night, and a man calling him to come uh, to Macedonia. Come over here to help us. And when Paul saw it, it said he immediately went towards Macedonia. Uh, I don't, I'm, my guess is I don't know Paul. I'm just maybe speaking out of turn here, but I'm picturing that Paul is just chomping to do something. And so as soon as, you know, they say, hey, we come back to you, he's like, good, something to do. Because, you know, some of us are just waiting and we're just saying, okay, Lord, you clearly closed the door one place. What's next? And he says, I want you to wait. Say, but don't I need to be doing something for you? And he says, sometimes I need you to wait. And so he brings him. And, uh, and he has him wait. And then he says, all right, I'm ready for you to move to the next place. Well, we see that he moves to a place uh, there. And what, what we're going to see here in this next section is just such a fascinating section of how the Holy Spirit works because of the relationships he had, because of the path that he had listened to. That supernatural things will happen when you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Things that we can't imagine happening because it only works the way that God uh, has for it. Uh, the next section uh, that we're going to see here is that when the Holy Spirit directs that he directs the progress that moves and shakes. I'll explain. Let's read verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and uh, following uh, the day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed was a place of prayer and we sat uh, down and spoke to the women who had come together. I'm going to pause there because what we see here is that Paul takes this trip to Philippi, which is a significant Roman city that it refers to. And he gets there and it says that uh, we remained in this city some days. Paul gets there. Okay, I immediately got there. He shows up and he remains there and he... Wait some more. He, you know, I don't know if he's wondering, where's, where's Vision Guy? You know, the guy who said I'm supposed to come here immediately. I come there immediately and I'm here for some days. Paul rushes to get to Macedonia and now he's waiting. Sometimes this is progress, is the waiting. Let's continue on in verse 14. It says, uh, after they meet these women who he supposed was a place of prayer. I'm not sure how he supposed that. They're down on their hands and knees praying. Or You're going to see that these women did not know 
much about who God was, but they wanted to worship this God that they had heard a little bit about. In verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God, not necessarily a believer at this point, but a worshiper. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized and her household was well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to stay at my house. And she prevailed upon us. So he comes, he shares with them, uh, probably not what he was expecting. You know, he's, he's done some big synagogue events already, um, and uh, large crowds, and yet he, walking around on Sabbath, he comes across some, some women that are praying by the riverside, and he says, well... I guess we can start here and shares with them who he, uh, as you run that out, if you uh, track with Lydia's history and, and the city that she came from, she becomes an influential part of Paul's missionary team, opening her house to many, many people um, uh, through and, and hosting churches there. She gets baptized uh, and, and her household, and, uh, and he continues on through the city. Verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination in her, a demon in her, and, and brought her owners much gain, a ton of money, by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, uh, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. I don't know if Paul's like, wow, good word there. Um, and this uh, she kept doing for many days. Paul, reacting like I would have, Having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit in her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. And when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. As I pause there, what you're going to see there is that uh, he comes across a demon-possessed girl. She must have been uh, making him a lot of money. Paul being patient for a while. What does it say there? She followed us uh, for, for many days, um, saying exactly what he was doing. Um, Satan is always trying to deceive us. He doesn't have new tricks. And here he was deceiving the girl, being a demon in her, doing the fortune-telling. She's following them around saying, this is, this is what he's here for. These men are serving. We, we know that in James 2, that the demons know who Christ is. You know, as it, as it, as it says that you believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that. They shudder. They shake. Here the demon, uh, as Paul confronts uh, this girl, the demons know exactly who Paul is. And as he calls them out, the demons are shuddering and shaking at the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's at work there. The Holy Spirit does some shaking there. She brought him much gain. And I believe at this point, um, there's something, uh, you know, it doesn't say directly, but that this girl uh, follows after Christ now because the owner looks at this girl and says, I have realized I have lost all my hope of gain. He, he knows that he can no longer make money off this girl. That she's no longer useful. And I don't know if it's like, you know, hey, quick, tell me a fortune. Oh, she doesn't have it anymore. Or if he goes, wow, I can just see in her eyes that she does not. This demon leaving her no longer, uh, she doesn't even believe this. The demons are shaken as Paul confronts her. 
Christ's power and kindness delivered this girl. It wasn't, it wasn't Paul. It was the power of Jesus that did this. Uh, through Paul's words, the Holy Spirit was at work. Um, we see then in the next couple of verses, I'll just uh, highlight them for you, that he is, uh, he is beaten, his, his uh, garments are torn, and he's uh, thrown into jail. It talks about uh, not just jail, but into the inner prison, and he's fastened uh, their feet in, in, in stocks. So he's treated like a serious criminal. He's treated like one uh, who has done some serious things. This guy uh, had influence with the magistrates and so he was able to do this. And how does Paul respond? Is the gospel progress done? Is he questioning these things and saying, God, you brought me here and now I'm in jail. If you know Paul's history, jail does not stop him or slow him down. But in verse, uh, verse 25 here, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. I, I think about Colossians 3 as he talks about that, um, you know, in a situation where he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness uh, to God. Paul in prison at this point, this is where the Holy Spirit has directed, the Holy Spirit has a plan and yet he doesn't turn off the Holy Spirit. How many times have we been able to turn off the Holy Spirit at this point? There's relationships that we don't like. You know what, Lord? Like, I don't really want to develop a relationship here. God, I, I don't want you to forbid this path. Or I don't want to go there. I don't want to be in this situation. And we could turn the Holy Spirit off. How about now following the path, getting partway down it, and you end up in prison? Paul here, what does he do with that? He doesn't turn off the Holy Spirit. He just sings the psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs so the prisoners can hear. Do you ever have that where you turn the Holy Spirit off? Maybe um, you, know, you, you say, well, at work, you know, it's just different. I, I can't do that stuff because I'll be judged. Maybe at school for some of you. Maybe when you're sitting in traffic, the Holy Spirit gets turned off. I don't know about you. And so what happens here as he's singing? It says, and suddenly... There was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. I want to pause there and look at this. What happens is a supernatural earthquake occurs. Um, you know, we see the devastation, even this week we've seen the devastation of earthquakes. But this is an earthquake that doors open and chains fall off, and yet nobody uh, is hurt being in this uh, prison. The Holy Spirit is doing some shaking, a supernatural shaking. And the jailer, responding probably appropriate, knowing what's on the line, is trembling with fear. There's shaking that's going on, but the progress is being made. And what is his first question? He says, all right, I don't know what this is about. I don't know what this is going to mean for my life. But it says there in verse 20, the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
What would you, how would you answer that if somebody asked you that? Is it very simple? Have you thought about that in your own life, that there is a simplicity to being saved? This guy who had um, probably uh, no desire to know who God was, we see that he asked that. What must I do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And they took, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. There was a lot of shaking going on here. The demon in the girl was shaking at the name of God. The earth began to shake at God's command in a supernatural way. The jailer is shaking. He's trembling with fear at the power of God. Do you avoid situations where progress is moving and shaking? Paul encounters three totally different situations. He encounters Lydia here, who is very open to God, who is trying to figure out what a relationship with God looks like, is praying by the riverside. He encounters a slave girl who is as anti-God as you can get. And then he encounters this Philippian jailer who I would just say is probably indifferent to who God is. He probably has his own faith in the Roman ways. And all three have a transformation of some kind. We don't make the progress. The Holy Spirit does that. But are we allowing Him to put us in the place where He can move and shake? Now, you say, what must I do to be saved? How do I have this? As He makes a very simple call to the Gospel here. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. I think about Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that in your heart, you will be saved. So many times we have to think uh, that uh, being saved is a, is a complicated venture. But to recognize uh, who God is and who you are uh, is where our, our posture of worship uh, should take us. And you want to hear uh, what, what's really cool uh, then about this. Uh, if you continue to read, uh, basically uh, the next day in verse 35 it says, But when it was the day, uh, the magistrates sent the police saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these things, uh, these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. And basically said, all right, you can go. Uh, Paul, just so you can see his personality, um, says in verse 37, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. And the police reported that these, these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came, apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. They didn't immediately leave, but so they went out of the prison, they visited Lydia, and, they, and when they had separated the brothers, uh, they encouraged them and departed. They departed, they went. At that point, the Holy Spirit had another part of their journey. And you know what's really cool? If you look even beyond this, uh, you look a few chapters uh, on the end of this journey. You remember where he was forbidden to go? Check out Acts uh, 19.10. Uh, Paul's traveling around and uh, he, he ends up in Ephesus. It says, this continued uh, for two years, his time in Ephesus, so that all the residents of Asia 
the place that he was forbidden to go, heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Asia got the word, not when Paul wanted it, but several years later. If you flip uh, and see 1 Peter uh, 1, you can look at it, I'll just read it to you as well. 1 Peter 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who were elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Christ Jesus and for the springing with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter had an open door into this, and he's speaking to those. You'll recognize some of those names from before. The Galatia, the Bithynia, Asia. Now was getting, they had believers there. So a place where you thought, but Lord, I should go there. There's no believers at the beginning of this section. Now all of a sudden, the word has spread there. Paul trusted the Holy Spirit. And so are you in a position to put your trust in letting the Holy Spirit lead? Will you say, I'll allow the Holy Spirit to direct the partnerships, the people that I associate with, that I'm not going to fight against about the relationships in my life, that He has them there for a reason? Will you say, I'll listen to the open and closed doors that the Lord has for me? When He forbids me to go somewhere... I will honor that. When he pushes me to go somewhere, uh, as Paul had, I will immediately go. Will you trust in the work? Um, even if things aren't going your way, sometimes it means to wait. Sometimes it means uh, that you uh, don't uh, have the path that you were imagining. Okay, Lord, you're going to send me into Philippi. Well, I'm sure I'm going to meet a lot of believers there. He doesn't meet many believers there at first. And he doesn't end up in a really good spot. But progress is continuing to make because God sees the whole timeline and has us there for a reason. Are you the type that allows the worry and anxiety and and desire for control uh, to squash what the Holy Spirit is doing? God's grace is powerful. He's waiting to unleash the Holy Spirit to direct you. Uh, Maybe this is a time where you said, you know what, I've been feeling a little hopeless about where I'm supposed to go in life, the people in my life. Hopefully, even today, you can be encouraged that Paul used, or that, that the, God uses the Holy Spirit like He used in Paul to be able to open up these doors for you, to be able to just even have a have a sense of His sovereignty in what He's doing and how He's working. The Holy Spirit will direct our partnerships we make, the paths we take, and the progress that moves and shakes. Let me let me pray for us as we then spend a little time in reflection. Father, I pray that, that the words here something that the Holy Spirit can do work on. God, we know that your word is still powerful, that when it cuts into us, that we can receive that, what it has for you. God, thank you for just even as I'm reading this text again, the, just the applications you bring into my life and bringing me through that. God, I don't want that to look like that it was a, a failure, that we failed somewhere, God, but you give us hope that there is another path there. You don't do anything by accident. In your sovereignty, you have a reason for all these things. And so today I pray that we celebrate who you are and that we can uh, just be encouraged, God, uh, by how not only you worked in Paul's, but you have that same Holy Spirit that was in Paul that is in us when we have bowed our knee to you, bowed our knees to you, and claimed you as Lord in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Oak Hill Fellowship Church. Stay connected with us by finding us on social media or by joining us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Until then, remember that you are loved.